Hey everyone, it's the Kung Fu Genius, aka Alex Richter. And if you're listening to us on audio only, I'd appreciate you rating and reviewing the podcast wherever you listen to it. And of course, if you like what I do here, don't forget to subscribe to the Kung Fu Genius on YouTube and hit that bell for notifications. Are you a fan of Wing Chun Kung Fu? Well, if you listen to me, I assume you are. I got great news for Kung Fu Genius fans. Right now, you can get an all-access one-month free trial subscription to Wing Chun Illustrated Magazine. Yes, I said free. Go to wcinewsstand.com and register in the upper right-hand corner, fill in your email and password, and use the code KFGTRIAL to get your free trial to the issues from 2011 to the current issue. That's right, all the issues, even the one with this guy on the cover. My Kung Fu Genius column is in all the new issues, as if you need another reason to get this awesome magazine. Go get your free trial subscription today. For all that information, check out the description below. And with that, let's get started. All right, peeps, on today's episode of the Kung Fu Genius, the genius will be answering all sorts of hot nonsense from YouTube. Lots of gems, lots of seafood Schwarzenegger, lots of Elvis blowing holes in your dash. Let's get to it. He is unstoppable, unbeatable, unbelievable. He's Alex Richter, the Kung Fu genius. And every day, I practice martial arts. Watch out. Word is, I'm a Kung Fu genius. Practice all day like a genius. Yo, Dre, how you doing, man? Oh, I'm copacetic, Sifu. Copacetic. Welcome back. It's good to be back. Uh, I just got back from Orlando, Florida. I had a great two weeks there. You love Florida. Orlando, Florida. Florida's Florida. great. Yeah, Florida's great, right? <laughs> yeah. So I, I taught an immersion course student there for oh, one week. Man. So I'm doing these oh. immersion courses because in the garage of my Florida home, I basically have it set up as kind of a makeshift Wing Chun gym. Mm. So for people who want to learn Wing Chun intensively, like not just like... Wooden dummy and all. The dummy's not there yet, but the, the, luckily the the two students who've who've come this year they're so the far, they, no, no, they're the dummies. No, they're the they're they're beginners, so they don't oh, need a dummy. Okay. So right, uh, right. actually, the dummy was supposed to be there, but they're. Uh, the set that we ordered was damaged in transit. So it had to be sent back and now we have to wait for a new one. So uh, yeah, such are the times, right? And of course, with the uh, uh, the way things are now with pricing and inflation, dummies are like, and shipping are like twice what they used to be. Uh, but anyway, um, such is the cost soon. of doing business in Kung Fu. Shit. So anyway, yeah, so I just had another immersion course student come with me. Uh, it was also a relative beginner, at least in WT, came mm-hmm. and trained with me for for a week he told me he absolutely loved it and uh it's fun because uh i actually like teaching those immersion courses yeah, because it's like a sponge yeah well it also allows me to just spend a lot of time with one person and really build them up step by step Ooh. especially you know i i really it, the funny thing is i created it for instructors who wanted to come and and just have the chance to train and learn more and, and uh, broaden their knowledge so that they have more to give their students. But mm-hmm. since I started teaching the immersion courses in December, I've had nothing but actual beginners coming to me, like almost straight wow. up beginners. And That's I, cool. I realized it had been so long since I taught someone from like kind of day one, uh, you know, step by step. I forgot how much I actually love teaching beginners, right? Because I'm here at City Wing Chun, I teach mostly seniors or at least people who've been doing it for a little bit. Or so crackpots like us, yeah, or you, yeah, you guys, yeah. Uh, so, um, so yeah, so yogles. I was down there. I was down there for two weeks. Uh, so one week I taught 
an immersion course student. And then the second week we had like a little mini vacation with the family. We went to Universal Studios and nice. did all that kind oh, of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Funny thing is at Universal Studios in Orlando, they have like some, you know, kind of fake movie sets there. And one of the sets they had was the New York Public Library, which is like two blocks from what? where we with are. The right? lions? Yeah, with the lions in front, right? And the girls saw that. And they're like, oh, can we get a photo in front of it? It's like, you pass by the real one every week. The girls come to the school every That's Saturday. Hysterical. The real one is right there. All right. And. They don't even think twice. That's like. Meanwhile, there's like this version with cardboard cutout, like yeah. facade and fake oh, lions. And they want to take the photos in front of it. And there was uh -huh. like a fake subway entrance. And so they're like taking it. Uh, it's like they're on the subway all the time, right? <laughs> and, then, and, then and then Maria, she goes, she goes, Daddy, you, you know how you can tell this is not a real new, like this is fake? And I'm like, how? Besides the fact that we're in Orlando, Florida, right? And not New York. She's like, it's too clean. It's too clean. <laughs> she knows. She knows. She's a true New Yorker. She yes. knows. Especially, yes. you know, for for people who are not up to date, like, you know, yeah. post-pandemic New York uh -huh. is freaking Mad Max, right? <laughs> it's like, for as much as, like, New York had improved since, like, you know, yeah. the early 90s oh, into, like, the basic Disney special. Disneyland that it had become, like, Times Square had become so family-friendly, like... Like, well, uh, New York is back to the time of the movie The Warriors now. It's, oh, it's, oh. it's straight up garbage now. Oh, yeah. yes. Please move here. I'm just picturing us going to like Hong Kong somewhere or Shanghai and seeing a cutout of of the Kung Fu genius. You're like, yo, <laughs> take a photo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, you can see me all the time and you don't give a crap, right? It's that yep. guy from the podcast. Yeah, let's go take yeah, it's crazy, right? Absolutely right. crazy how people are, right? So anyway, yo, let's get started. What you got for me, man? Oh, man. All right. Let's uh, let's get right into it. Like we're intuitive. Uh, Chris Dinian. Oh, Dinian. Oh, Cordillion. Okay. What? One of those. Take your what? pick. Dinian. Yes. Dineen. Chris Dineen. All right. Oh, by the way, don't mean to don't mean to cut you off. <laughs> yes, but you did. Uh, I two nights ago I went. Uh, my 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 youngest was sick, and so I had to take my oh. eldest out to go get some dinner. Right. Okay. So we went to a diner, and uh, while we're at the diner, it's a Bel Air diner. It was used in like a comedians and cars having coffee with yes. Seinfeld. It was the episode Seinfeld and Howard Stern. That's mm. the diner they ate at. So it's not too far from where I live. Right. right. So we're having dinner there, and like. Maria's like, um, you know, Daddy, I think you should, I think you should change the way you do the podcast. And then I'm like, really? She's like, you know, it's always like you're always just talking about kung fu, right? Okay. <laughs> and I'm like, well, Maria, that's why people watch me because, quite frankly, I don't know anything about anything else. Right. All right. Okay. And I barely know anything about kung fu, right? And she's like, well, talk about dance. She's like, ah, I think you should change it up a little bit. I think people are getting kind of tired of it, right? Yeah. And then, um, and then it's, I'm kind of like, I love the honesty. I'm kind of like probing her a little further, yeah. and I realize it's not that. Oh no! You know what it is? What is it? She wants your job. Oh, she... <laughs> rascal! Oh, she's like, she's like, what, what, what if, what, you know? So I'm like, I'm pushing her. She's like, well, you know. What what if I read the questions on the <laughs> podcast? <laughs> so so it's not it's not like the format. What? It's the fact that my oh. daughter who watches YouTube and watches like you all know. these weird YouTube channels like for kids yeah. and stuff. 
She wants to yeah. be on YouTube, right? My little one's watching all yeah. that gamer because stuff, man. For, first, it was like she wanted to do the opening like she did on that Vincent uh, Benitez episode. But now, yeah. now she's gunning for your job, man. I feel threatened. So yeah, you, you but but no, no, don't, don't, wor- don't worry about it. I go, you know, <laughs> I go, everyone laughs at Dre because he messes up the names like you yeah. did already in this episode. Yeah. He messes up things that are in the question, yeah. all right? People have even commented that they're going, is Dre invoking Christopher Walken or William Shatner when he's reading the questions? I'm like, no, those pauses are because he's stumbling over the words. <laughs> that's not that's not on purpose. That was my intention. Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah, I'm yeah. That was your that, that was your motivation more cowbell, behind yeah, man. more cowbell, more right? Cowbell. And then I go, all right, Maria, let's uh let's give you an audition. So I pull up YouTube because we read the questions off of the YouTube comments, right? I, you know, I, I, because I, I, I have a YouTube Studio app, which is like this for is the creators. I, I put up, you know, uh, comments, right? Yeah. I go, all right, go ahead and read that top one. And that top one, like the first question was something about like, uh, because I talked about on a recent episode about the story of the five elders and the burning of the Shaolin Temple being a bunch of bullshit. Uh, yes, I remember this. And someone's like, you know, oh, you're saying like Hong Kong history is BS and what about the Shaolin Temple in Guangdong and Fuji? It had all these Chinese words in it. <laughs> and I go, okay, go go ahead and read that, right? <laughs> she's nine, she's no. nine years old, right? No. And she's like, you know, stumbling through it because it's like the Shao, Shaolin... Uh, temper in, in <laughs> Fujian, uh, and, and like, and, and then, and I'm looking at her, and she's looking at me, and I go, oh, "Now you see yeah. what Dre does is not easy, right?" And she's like, "Yeah." Oh. So she kind of, <laughs> so she she understood it, but um, but she's still taking yes. your job. Yeah, she's yeah. she's gone in. So you're you're done. Yeah, never All turn right. your back to her on a Saturday. That's right. She's small. She'll come and shank you. That's right. Yeah, yeah, She's no. gunning for your position. So anyway, oh let's get back to Chris Denine's question here, hmm. right? I Dineen. was hoping to get, get my little one in the intro one day. Ooh, you got to yeah. get in line. There's yeah. lots of people uh, gunning for that. You know, you, know who always, you know who always wants to do the intro? Who? This dude over here. But I'm he like, did but, the intro before. Yeah, but that episode bombed because the moment people hear that episode, <laughs> that 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 uh, accent, people turned away. Yeah, I mean, think about it. It's, it's a reason why so they many British people have a hard time getting like uh, certain gigs here in the states because that accent is so off-putting because wow. no one understands it. Yo, no one so understands it. That, that, um, Might as well be an alien language the there. Hollywood scene. They yeah. always make them play Americans. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. As they should. Yeah. All right. Come on, you don't spell tire with a Y. Get out of here. All right, so anyway. Why? Sifu Alex, hi again. All right. I have a question. Here we go. If Bruce Lee was a much, much more accomplished Wing Chun practitioner, would he even bothered with JKD? Mm -hmm. A question for a later podcast. Okay, not this one. Or just an answer, I leave it up to you. Ah, okay. Oh, and I can't believe someone called a fellow Englishman a sweaty sock. Thank you. Thank Bit you. of Cockney rhyming slang for you there. Yeah. Who called who, who, who called, called you a sweaty, sweaty sock? I don't remember that. No, you you called me Scottish in my absence because I was <laughs> oh, defend myself. That's, that's what he's referring to. Scottish, oh, are Scottish is people a sweaty, sweaty socks. Sock. That's Cockney rhyming slang for jock. 
Oh, oh. wow! British humor, man. I don't get any of it. Any, right? any. You know what? I really wish sometimes when Mikey Dean spoke, I wish I could take a remote control and hit <laughs> subtitles and captions, just so like whatever he says, I could read the subtitle. Like, oh, that's what he means. Wow. All right, it's sweaty got, sock. Your glasses have to set that up. Yeah, I need like the Google Glass yeah, where I can Google like glass. look, watch him, and have <laughs> Google some, Glasses have some captions, the subtitles underneath to translate that not nonsense yes. that comes out of his mouth. Please. Please do. Yeah. All right. Rule of thumb, if there's any use in the word, just take them out because you're too lazy to put them in in the first place. Ooh, ooh. Insult me for taking you out of color. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Sorry, but it's color. It's on color. 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 Yeah. Man, I really wish this building had a lift. Okay, so anyway, <laughs> let's... Uh... <laughs> Yo, lift the roof. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. It's okay. I had an Australian Sifu in car racing, uh, which I probably mentioned on the podcast before. I was watching car racing with my little one yesterday. Yeah, he's the one who taught fun. me everything about fixing cars and stuff. And mm -hmm. he's the one, like, you know, he would say stuff like, you know, open the bonnet, which is the hood, <laughs> or open the boot, which is the trunk, or hand me a spanner, which is a wrench. So I learned all that nonsense from an Australian. So my, my, my car racing and car mod and, you know, like yeah. how to learn how to fix cars and stuff like that. I have an Australian car Sifu when I was a what teenager, right? If you, if you want to equate it to martial arts and I, I learned is... all that nonsense there. Yeah. The... We call fenders mud guard. Uh, we, no, yeah. you would call the side panels mud guards. <laughs> it was mud... so funny. Yeah. Wow. Bunch of hot nonsense. <laughs> so anyway. Uh, okay. So now 12 minutes in back to our, the first okay. question. Yes. Right. If Bruce Lee had. So if I understood it correctly, if Bruce Lee had learned more Wing Chun or had completed the Wing Chun system or was more seasoned in Wing Chun, would he have had the need to create Jeet Kune Do? All right. So this is a good question. This is a really good question. Uh, so, you know, you have to put your speculation hat on, right? Okay. So uh, it, in, in Wing Chun lore, especially within the Yip Man family, there are a lot of people are divided about these things because a lot of people have unqualified and stupid opinions uh, that are usually just for bolstering themselves up. All right. So it's not uh, it, it's not telling tales at a school that Bruce Lee didn't finish learning Wing Chun, all right? Everyone knows that, except some Jeet Kune Do people, because they, they think that, well, Bruce learned Wing Chun, and he learned the whole Wing... Obviously, he learned the whole Wing Chun style because he learned Wing Chun, and, and it's not really the case. Uh, a couple reasons why we know that. It's we, we know from what Bruce Lee was able to demonstrate that he did not learn the BUG form, at least at the time that he had left... Hong Kong, and he did not learn the wooden dummy techniques and like in terms of learning the formal form. Mm -hmm. And it's generally known in Hong Kong that he essentially learned the first two forms. But remember, he was a teenager. His primary concern was fighting. It wasn't about learning the system or being a sifu or anything like that. In fact, Bruce didn't really, from what I understand, get any ideas about teaching until he was until he was right about to have to leave for the States. Because remember, his his departure to the U.S. when he turned 18, or no, it was after he turned 18, okay. um, was very sudden, all right? Because he, you know, there, there are a number of conflicting stories, but let's just say maybe something happened. He might have had some potential legal trouble coming down the pipe. And also, he apparently needed to go back uh 
you know, around his 18th year to the States to retain his U.S. citizenship. Because he was born in the U.S., that's why he was a U.S. citizen. But apparently at that time, maybe he had to come back by the time he was 18 because he didn't grow up in the States to make sure that he kept his U.S. citizenship. So whether it was to keep his U.S. citizenship or it was to avoid some trouble or whatever, there are a lot of people that will tell you, oh, because he beat up the son of a police inspector or or he got in trouble there. He had The thing is that... Everyone will tell you something, but no one knows. All right, like because mm. the people will say no, it's because he, you know, he had like already gotten in trouble so much with the law and blah 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 blah. But I know three very credible versions of why Bruce Lee left for the U.S. Okay, but I can't tell you which one is correct. All right, and but most people have only heard one, but but the one that they heard, they heard it from a really swell guy that they like, so they will defend it to the death that that's the real one, just because of liking bias, because mm. of the person they like the person who told them, and they believe that person. Well, right? one thing I do know, it wasn't the same reason that Yip Man came to the U.S. Oh, what to follow his son or whatever, right? From mm. Yip Man Four, is that was that the plot, that right? Was, uh, something like that. I saw Yip Man Four once in the movie theater in Miami. <laughs> And it was, I was just—I saw it with my wife, and we were just cringing the whole time. Oh man, it was—it was a brutal, brutal watch. But didn't Bruce Lee like beat up all of those um, Navy kids in that club, and then that's why he went to? <laughs> oh, you're thinking of Dragon the Bruce Lee story? Yeah, that's yes, right. Yeah. Right, yeah, okay. it was something like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I remember in Dragon the Bruce Lee story, he like knocked a bunch of them down, and they even had like the the sound effect of bowling pins falling. I remember that, right? God, Jesus Christ, what a hot mess that movie was. Yes. All right. So anyway, so by the time Bruce leaves, he's not um, he's not a fully qualified Wing Chun instructor, but he is someone who definitely has a strong grasp of Wing Chun fundamentals and has some experience fighting with Wing Chun. Right. The the thing I think that people forget and Wing Chun people forget this too, is that you do not need to know the entire Wing Chun system to be able to defend yourself with Wing Chun, right? If you know how to close the gap on someone who's trying to punch you intelligently without running into punches, uh, you know how to hit with with power and close the gap punch, stay on them, not give them any space, how to uh, jam and defend kicks. Basically, the template for lower level Wing Chun is close the gap, avoid staying in that dangerous red zone, Get all the way in as close as you can and basically smother and punch the shit out of the other guy, right? <laughs> right. Um, is the basic strategy. It's not the only thing we do in Wing Chun, but that's kind of what you would teach a beginner. And, well, Bruce had a pretty good grasp of that. So he had the fighting idea down and the basic techniques, packs out, laps out, chain punches, kicks, probably some elbow techniques, a few things here and there. So he had enough to do something with it, but that's different as to whether someone is like fully qualified to teach the entire Wing Chun system. Bruce was qualified to teach people how to fight with basic Wing Chun, but okay. maybe not to teach the Wing Chun system as, as it is, right? And so if, if all you're looking for is fighting skill, then, then he had enough to start teaching. But I think that Bruce's character would have always lent him to explore and improve, right? Mm-hmm. The narrative among a number of Yip Man Wing Chun people uh, who, in my opinion, are just kind of bunch of a bunch of jealous nancies um what is uh well the reason why bruce lee created jeet kune do is because he had not completed the wing chun system so that's the first statement and then 
from that statement or that assertion, there's usually two more, there's usually two justifications depending on how conservative the Wing Chun Sifu who's saying that is, right? So the first assumption is, well, he had not completed Wing Chun, that's why he had to create Jeet Kune Do. And then, okay, what are the reasons for that? There's two primary schools of thought for the jealous Nancys on that um, assertion. One, because Bruce had not completed the Wing Chun system, he was not a qualified instructor or he was not the most senior, whatever it is, he naturally could not be the head guy of Wing Chun. But if he creates his own style, then he can be the head man of his own style. You know, so so it's kind of like, well, I can't be the top dog in Wing Chun, but if I create mm. my own style, Jeet Kune Do, then I'm by default the top dog. And I think that anyone who's listened to any Bruce Lee phone recordings or conversations or interviews or read any of his notes that yeah. says something like that is an idiot. To think that Bruce Lee went out of his way to create Jeet Kune Do to be the founder of a style when it seems like almost half of the notes he wrote about Jeet Kune Do were him like exorcising <laughs> the demons about having potentially created a style which he didn't even want to do. Damn it. So when, when you look at it, like we've talked about multiple times, the whole pickle of is Jeet Kune Do a style or not a style? The founder didn't even want people fussing over the name. So when when he's having like complexes about, did I actually formalize a new martial art, which is going to become its own, you know, organized despair, as he would say. Yeah. To think that that guy did it because he wanted to be the head of his own style is just to be an ignoramus. Mm-mm. Okay. So shut up. <laughs> All right, shut up. Okay, you 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 are you are not you are oh, you yeah. you don't know you don't know anything about Bruce Lee, and you're saying that, and that's a bunch of bullshit. Okay, and uh, you know, but the the Dante's a Chinese say it, a bunch of German people say it too. Yeah, you know, he was not he could not learn the whole Wing Chun, so he must create his own style. You know, shut the. F- <laughs> All right, sound like a bit like Arnold. All right, a little bit. You know what's weird? I'm half German. Uh I lived in Germany. Yeah, I can't really do a German accent. Uh, It always comes out Austrian. uh, Right? It starts German, and then it always at the end becomes Ah. a little more Austrian, going up and down because the Austrian is a lot more yeah fun. Can you imagine if Arnold? Learned the whole Wing Chun system. He would never have needed to create uh, bodybuilding. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. He would have never because he would have been the head man of Wing Chun. Oh, would have been because sick. that's everyone's aspiration. <laughs> but it also, you know, it tells you more about the people who say that those kind of things. Right? right. Bruce created his own style because he could never be number one in Wing Chun, but he wanted to be the number one in his own style. Mm. I think that says more about the person saying that than Bruce Lee. Because that is a bullshit assertion. Uh, mm. Bruce Lee literally had, you can read his notes and you can see him wrestling with this concept of like, damn it, did I, all, all my shit talking about formalized styles, did I also now create a style on my own, right? Like he was very, he, you can kind of read between the lines that he was worried about that. So to think that his motivation mm-hmm. was to be the head man as if he never, you know, half his students in the L.A. area didn't even call him Sifu. They just called him Bruce. And he mm, never used okay. titles like Master or Grandmaster or anything like that. So it's super off base to think that that's the reason. Okay, so this old Bruce Lee created Jeet Kune Do because he couldn't be the number one guy mm-hmm. in, in uh, uh, you know, Wing Chun. All right, he's kind of horseshit. All right. And then the second assertion uh, for why Bruce Lee created Jeet Kune Do is uh, 
you know, because he was missing all of these things that he would have otherwise learned in had he finished the Wing Chun system. So Bruce said Wing Chun didn't have uh, footwork, right? Mm. Well, he had not yet learned wooden dummy or advanced uh, footwork. So for him to say, having learned only the first two forms, Wing Chun is lacking footwork, when in reality, in the traditional Wing Chun teaching system, all the best footwork, unfortunately, comes much later. So, so there was always this thing like, well, he hadn't learned it yet. All right. So that's why Bruce had to like add this footwork from fencing or whatever, because, well, he just he didn't understand about the offlining footwork we have in the wooden dummy and all the subtitoy and all these things that he had not learned yet. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, or, you know, Bruce said things like Wing Chun only has one punch, which is a vertical punch. And it's like, well, we also have the lifting lifting punch, which is like essentially an uppercut. We have the hook punch, which is obviously a hook. Plus, we have all different variations and heights and this, that with different controls and stuff. So Wing Chun, while it's known mostly as a style that does a straight punch, the, actually, we have a lot more than just that. Not to mention palm strikes and Chan Sao and Sak Gang Sao, all these. Uh, we don't only just close our fist and punch vertically in Wing Chun. <laughs> maybe maybe for a beginner, yes. All right. So like if someone had learned only up to Chum Q and said, yeah, Wing Chun pretty much just steps in and punches with a vertical fist, that would be a fair assessment for someone who had only learned up to Chum Q. But if you had learned Byuji and Wooden Dummy and had done a fair amount of Gua Sao and Chi Sao sparring and learned under a qualified instructor and you learned all these things and you still said Wing Chun just had a vertical punch, I would say you miss you, you missed a lot. All right. So so there's a second argument that uh, Wing that Bruce had just not learned a bunch of stuff yet. Mm -hmm. And that's the reason why he had to kind of fill in the gaps on his own, whether it be for footwork or different types of punching methods, because he just had not learned it in Wing Chun, right? So those are the main arguments from what I've read about why Bruce Lee created Jeet Kune Do. It was the whole, he either wanted to be the head man of his own style, or he obviously had to fill in gaps for what he had not yet learned, all right? Those are usually the two arguments, Usually. Right? Yeah. So had... Had Bruce Lee, let's say, started learning Wing Chun earlier, right? From what we understand, Bruce Lee really started learning Wing Chun around the time he was 15. I know everyone wants to say he did. He started learning when he was 13. and Oh, his mom said he started learning when he was 13. Like in look, the ton. Yeah, but look, if you went to my mom and, and said, hey, when did Alex start learning Wing Chun? Right, right. All right? She would say, I don't know, when he was a teenager or something. Well, what age? 14, yeah. 15, 16? She wouldn't be able to answer that. All right. So, but everyone like says, well, well, Bruce's mom said he started learning at 13. <laughs> Dude, I can't even, I can't even tell my, 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 my eldest daughter is nine years old. All right. I can't even tell you at what age she started getting into dance. Was it five? Was it six? What age she started watching? Like uh, we started letting her watch a little YouTube. Was it seven? Eight? Like people don't like people say, well, so-and-so said we, think we are such unreliable narrators, even in our own experience. Like, uh, from what we understand about Bruce most likely starting Wing Chun after St. Francis, he went to St. Francis Xavier, Bruce most likely started Wing Chun around the time he was 15, 15 and a half. And he left Hong Kong when he was 18. So you can do the math as to how long he had actually learned Wing Chun. Right. Um, but let's say Bruce started learning Wing Chun when he was 11. Okay, let's just say, all right? Like a Natan. Yeah, and, and, he, <laughs> and he was, you know... In training every day, maybe also training with uh, his Sihing Wong Sun Leung, but maybe doing lots of privates with Grandmaster Yip Man for whatever reason. Maybe Grandmaster Yip Man took a liking to the kid or whatever. And let's say by the time he was 18, all right, and this is a Dreisen hypothetical right here, um, that he had finished learning the entire Wing Chun system, okay? That he had learned, you know, from soup to nuts, Siyunam Tao Cham Kyu Byuji, 
dummy, the pole, the knives, the applications, had a lot of practice in Gaussau, and still had his fighting experience against other styles and whatnot. But let's say he comes to the U.S. at age 18, having fully completed the Wing Chun system. Wow. I'm... Child prodigy one, skills. I'm 100% certain he still would have changed it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for a couple the, reasons. The way his mind works. For a couple reasons. Mm-hmm. Like you just said, the way his mind works, right? He was someone who was always kind of pushing to improve and, and to, to upgrade things, right? So there are people who look at learning the entire Wing Chun system as an endpoint, and there are other people who look at that as the beginning, all right? When you finish learning the entire Wing Chun system, whatever that means for you, whether it means you completed the knives and the applications and you know how to use all this stuff, what are you going to do after that? Just going to go, well, I've learned the whole Wing Chun system. There you go. go. Sit on the all right? couch like many people chill. Who, Many people who contact me, I'm like, I would have learned the whole Wing Chun system, all right? Like, how much to, to learn the pole and the knives and the dummy and all this kind of stuff. And and when I read stuff like that, it's so freaking irritated. Because it, because because they look at it like, well, if how I, much? Ju- if, if how I just... How much well, no, it? No, it's not even that. It's just, just like... Um, That's funny. Because they think that learning these forms and some applications and stuff, that they think that that then represents an end goal. Think about it. Even in any martial art, if you if you, you were learning boxing, right? You would learn jab, cross, uppercut, hook, a couple different variations, and footwork. If you looked at that as a martial arts curriculum, how long does it take you to learn that curriculum? Not very long, mm. because there's not that many movements. All right. So why do boxers, after boxing for twenty years, still need a boxing coach? Why do they still need a coach to help them train for someone that they're going to fight against? Right. Yeah. Because you always, it doesn't matter if you've learned all the movements, you always need an outside eye, you always need to improve. And sometimes you have someone else who can help you improve and can take a look at what you're doing. Like even when I go to Hong Kong uh, and, you know, I maybe see the late Sifu Chen Chi Man would look at something I was doing and he mm-hmm. would give me like a suggestion or maybe Sifu Lee or someone else they would look at something and say, hey, so we should maybe do it like this, right? Because you get an outside eye and that's how you improve. But a lot of people think, well, if I learn the whole Wing Chun system, now I know everything. No, no, homie. You need someone You need someone to still look at you and improve what you've done, right? Now, what happens if you don't have an outside eye to uh, help correct you? As we would assume Bruce wouldn't have. Had Bruce, you know, when Bruce came to the States, there were no Wing Chun people he could learn from. Well, maybe he learned from the magical Fuk Young, the red boat Wing Chun, which magically did not end up in any of his Jeet Kune Do. But Fuk Young taught him all this red boat Wing Chun, which when you look at all the Wing Chun that Bruce Lee taught, even into the L.A. years, that was all, you could see Wong Sun Lung's influence in there. You don't see any red boat Wing Chun in there, right? Mm-hmm. So these people that claim that Fuk Yang taught him all this secret red boat Wing Chun. I go, where? <laughs> okay, where? All right, he's doing s- standard Yip Man Wong Sun Lung Wing Chun. This is, this is not, from, from his modified JKD stance, I don't see any red boat Wing Chun in there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but let's say when Bruce comes to the States, he doesn't have an outside eye to really teach Yeah, to rely on his inside eye. Yes, Exactly. All right. Hey, 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 hey. hey. Would you call him? Take it easy. <laughs> All right. There'll be no hooey nonsense on this podcast. No third eyes, no chakras, no chi meridians. All right. No death touches. Yeah, All right. Man. Out of here with that hot nonsense. All right. Okay. 
But no, you're absolutely right. He had to rely on his inside eye. That's Dita gel, all right? Okay, this is not for drinking. Don't drink that. I all was right? about to I know you keep that. looking at it. That'll open up your right? third eye. Yeah, that'll open up your third eye. Right. In my third leg. What? Yeah, yeah. Hey, Take it hey, easy. Hey, 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 hey. hey. Take it easy. He's a tripod. Okay. So, so anyway, uh, so no, you're absolutely correct. He had to rely on himself. All right. So if you don't have someone else to correct you and give you insight and say, hey, you should do this better. You should do this like this. Or you're dropping your, your, you know, your arms when you're sparring here, you're dropping your hands or your elbows a little higher, whatever. Then what do you have to do? You have to. That's what you you always tell me. You you have to, you have to do it on your own. You have to then develop yourself. Ah. This is very hard for most people because m- most of the world are followers. They're not leaders. Damn it. All right. Now, Bruce wasn't necessarily the type of leader like, you know, a businessman or the person who, would, who was good at leading a school. But he was like a thought leader. He was someone who had his own thoughts and was able to develop things on his own. And that's what he had to do anyway because he didn't have a teacher in the States. So I think it wouldn't have mattered had Bruce Lee learned the whole Wing Chun system. This idea that had Bruce Lee learned the whole Wing Chun system, he wouldn't have needed to create Jeet Kune Do because he would have seen all the footwork and the different punching methods and all this kind of stuff. I think, no, that's what the Wing Chun people are saying because they're butthurt that Bruce felt there was limitation in Wing Chun. Look, I teach Wing Chun. I love Wing Chun. And I... And I train my Wing Chun in a very modern way. And you know, you know how I teach it. Very you, innovative. Yes. But I, I'm still like a Hong Kong Wing Chun guy. But I maybe I teach it in a, what I consider an innovative way. We, we you know, we, we, we spar against different styles. We do, we do all that kind of stuff, right? Um, but that's that's partially because I'm from the Lang Ting line, which emphasized application, but also partially that's my character, right? Uh, I, I don't think, I don't get butt hurt when when I read stuff where Bruce said there was a limitation in Wing Chun. Because people get so triggered because they do Wing Chun. Wing Chun is their identity. Oh, and now no. someone famous like Bruce Lee criticizes it and they're like, but he he didn't hey. learn he didn't learn the wooden dance. Like, Calm down, Tito. Hey. Calm down. All right, okay. Why say that? Because they let someone else's assessment of something like live in their head rent free. All right. Bruce could have said Wing Chun is the worst thing in the world. Wouldn't change anything for me, all right? Be- because you have your own eyes and brain and can figure stuff out. And if you like something, if you can make it work, if you maybe have an insight that's different from Bruce Lee, then what does it matter what Bruce Lee said? Because his insight is based on his experience. His experience is limited to what he learned. Your mm-hmm. experience is limited to what you learned. Why do you need to get butt hurt about someone else having another assessment, right? It makes no sense. <laughs> So I, I think that had Bruce Lee learned the entire Wing Chun system, I still think he would have evolved uh, into something. Maybe he wouldn't have called it Jeet Kune Do because obviously the whole time-space continuum has changed in this hypothetical where he learned the whole Wing Chun system. But let's pretend he still created Jeet Kune Do, having learned the whole Wing Chun system. Then I think the Chi Sao would be much better in Jeet Kune Do. I think the, I, the Wing Chun ideas as represented in Jeet Kune Do would be a lot cleaner and a lot more slick. It would be more than just the packs out back fist, laps out back fist, laps mm-hmm. out punch, packs out back fist, inside, tra- like, you know, the the kind of, the four combinations that Jeet Kune Do people <laughs> kind of call Wing Chun, right? You you would see a lot more. You'd see d- different types of cutting punches and Lan Tsao Tai Cheng and la- way slicker, way slicker Chi Sao that is more, in my opinion, closer to the Jeet Kune Do idea but maybe he had just not seen those things or learned those things, right? Okay. So I think probably the only difference would be 
Bruce Lee would still have created Jeet Kune Do or a Jeet Kune Do-like expression, mm-hmm. even had he learned the whole Wing Chun system. But I think the Chi Sao and the Wing Chun aspects would have been much better. And I think there would have been uh, way more Wing Chun kicks, footwork, and dummy stuff. Take down Sub Chi Gurk, let's with slicker footwork and close range kicks that okay. he didn't have a chance to see. Because okay. most of his kicks he used with kind of like the long range stuff. I think you you would have seen in when he got in close with some Sub Chi Toy takedowns and like the, the cross 10 leg and the sweeps and counter sweeps and the stuff from Chi Gurk. You would see like way slicker yeah. footwork in the, in, in, in the clinch in Jeet Kune Do had he had the chance to learn that. But I don't think. I don't think he would have not have evolved. That was his character. I think that that is like Thanos. It's inevitable, right? So, uh, but that's a very good question. But that, but that's so. I, I, I'm in the minority of Wing Chun people because Wing Chun people love to say, "Well, the only reason Bruce Lee created Jeet Kune Do is because he hadn't learned the whole Wing Chun system." And I go, Man. "Nah, you're an ignoranus." <laughs> All right, next question. <laughs> but isn't that the only reason that you created the Wing Chun system? Yeah, that I created the Wing Chun system. I'm just saying. Yeah. Man. I did it all on my own. No from anyone. Love it. Love it. Lyle, love it. Hey, Kung Fu Genius listeners. If you're looking for an easy way to support this podcast, please consider joining the Kung Fu Genius Patreon. You can support for as little as $5 a month and get access to episodes a few days early. Higher levels of support, get additional goodies, exclusive content, and even your name in the description. The baller level of support will give you the opportunity to be a Dre for a day and give me a rest from this guy over here. A link for the Kung Fu Genius Patreon page is in the description below. You can also support us by subscribing to the Kung Fu Genius on YouTube, liking this video, and sharing it on your social media platforms. When you subscribe on YouTube, don't forget to hit that bell for notifications so you will know as soon as a new episode or a premiere is available for you to watch. For those of us who listen to us on audio, it's a huge help if you don't just rate the podcast, but also write a review wherever you listen to the Kung Fu Genius, such as Apple or Google Podcasts. I really appreciate it. And now back to me. Let's get to it. Next up, we got Andrew Lin. Andrew Lin, I've heard of that guy. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah he's, he's a frequent Frequenter, yeah. You, you could say that. Yeah. The person who edits the episodes. He watches all of them. He watches all of them. He never misses an yeah. episode. He sees guy. more of you than he ever, than anyone ever should. Than <laughs> <laughs> anyone ever should. Oh! Oh! Right in the guttucks. All right. Andrew Lynn is asking a question. <laughs> Stop drinking that. Man. When I was a kid... I briefly trained Andrew, Hung. Andrew, what's like Andrew? Like 20 years old? Yeah, he was yeah, a kid like, yeah. what, five years ago? He's 20. 12. He's like he's a child. easily 20, yeah. 21 at most. That facial hair ain't yeah, hiding yeah, anything. Yeah. He's what a kid. This guy. This guy. When, when, I, I, was when a, I was a kid. Yeah, Dude, yeah. you were a kid like yeah. what? In the 2000s. Yeah. All right? Oh, oh. He's, he's actually 65. Like, he's just got really great genetics. Oh, he's, yeah. He's one of them wow. never ages Asians. Wow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> never Asian Asians. Never Asian Asian. Yes. All right. The Youth of Asians. They briefly... Uh, when I was a kid, I briefly trained Hungar under a Sifu who only had one arm. Was it... it careful. Careful. The guy from ETD. All right. <laughs> Do you have any thoughts on or experience with training students who have physical disabilities? <laughs> Not... He's not taking a stab at me, I'm sure. Well, your, your disability is Oh, wait. Mental. Yeah, it is mental. You're right. <laughs> right, right. right. That's, that's... So, uh, <laughs> yeah, well, that's a great question. So I don't have that much experience teaching 
students with um, physical disabilities. And part of the reason is because New York's a very old city. So the buildings here are not subjected to kind of modern zoning and accessibility laws and regulations. Like uh, I have a, uh, you know, I know people who have schools out in, let's say, on the West Coast. Mm -hmm. And like when they rented their space, like one thing that you have to make sure is that your space is like handicap accessible and you have to have ramps and stuff like that. Well, New York being such an old city, you, you can't impose those on the older buildings. Like, for example, this building where City Wing Chun is was built in 1922, so it is 100 years old. There's not even an elevator in this building, let or alone... Lift. Yep, let alone a ramp to yeah. get into the building. Wow. So, um, for... Uh, now, obviously, that, that would be... That would bar people who have issues like walking and things like that. Um, but, you know, I think that we're on the fourth, fifth floor, and I think that that's part of the reason why maybe we haven't had a lot of students with those kind of handicaps come. Uh, but, you know, obviously that wouldn't bar someone who was, like, missing an arm or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, But, yeah, in the 20 years, it, it, I actually don't really have that much experience. Now, when I was training in Germany, I actually trained Wing Chun with someone who had one leg. Okay. And um, he had had a, um, an accident as a child where he got stuck on a railroad track and a train ran over his leg, but all the way up to the hip. So it wasn't like down by the knee or even in the middle of the thigh. He was missing his entire leg like through the hip. Okay. And so he had a prosthetic leg, but it, was, it, was, it, was, it wasn't like a modern prosthetic. It was just straight. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, it was interesting to see him modify uh, the, you know, cause obviously turning and doing like the chum cue and things like that are, are difficult cause he can basically cannot fully go on one side, but he can go on the other mm-hmm. and obviously kicking and things like that are, are a bit limited. Um, but what was interesting is when we did sparring, um, he, he would bust that ass. Well, you know what? Because he it's almost like he knew that he had a little bit of a deficit in terms of speed. Mm-hmm. So he would be really good at stepping in while the opponent was setting up. Because, uh-huh. you know, which is exactly what I tell you guys to do <laughs> anyway, right? right? It's like, okay, as the guy's setting up to throw that punch, when, when they get within that zone, you need to close the gap and swarm and smother because otherwise if you wait and let that punch come at you with full speed and power, now you have to have really solid defensive skills because you are now behind. You are now in a more reactionary timing, which requires a higher level of skill and, and defense than if you are going to intercept the guy and stop him before he's got a chance, right? Well, because of his limitations in terms of speed and maneuverability, he didn't want to put himself in a position where he had to rely a lot on what we would call timing two or timing three stuff, where you're kind of like defending stuff kind of late. He would... he would have to be much more proactive. So as a result, he found a way to make Wing Chun work for him himself, in, in, and it was quite effective. And and when he first came, he wasn't a regular at the castle. He was he was someone who came like every now and again, but he was a regular, but he wasn't there like every day like, like, like uh, those of us who trained full time. Mm-hmm. But I remember the first few times he came, you know, he was like very open about, like he told me exactly what had happened to him. And he said to me, like, don't don't train with me any differently. Mm. All right. He's like, okay. don't, don't, don't treat me like don't go easy on me. If, if you think you can throw me or knock me down or hit me, just go ahead and do it. OK. So he was like he, he didn't want 
he didn't want you to use kid gloves with him, right? Uh, he because he wanted. Uh, it's understandable that someone in his position wants to learn to defend themselves, but he did not want to be coddled. So uh, hmm. I had I had nothing but nothing but respect for him, and of course. Right we would have some pretty intense sparring sessions and he would get tired kind of quickly because you have to imagine he has to have that all that burden on basically on one leg yeah. right and he has to he has to use twice as much effort to close the gap as we would right and he would be like out of breath and i remember he would always go like whoo whoo after everything and then, <laughs> and then he would take a moment and then he would put his hands up and then he would just go just, again so uh, I mean, he had that in. kind of he had that kind of eye of the tiger, which was yeah. like amazing. And and so, although I don't have a lot of experience teaching people with those kind of serious uh, disabilities, um, I do have some experience training with someone the who did. And, heart. and and yeah, and, and and I was quite impressed. I never, I'll never forget that. Like I, I still like in my mind's eye when I go back and remember those sessions when he was there. It was like, it was really inspiring. Yeah. Because uh, I, I don't know how many people in his situation would would have that attitude that he had. It was really, really remarkable. I saw an inspiring video yeah. this morning on the way here. Okay. Guy with two legs. Mm -hmm. uh, what, the, the, you know, the, what do you call those legs? Legs? Uh, two prosthetic legs. Two prosthetic legs, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. And the guy's in a fight, street fight, and the, the other guy did some swings on him, and he did some, but did, he couldn't Did he have the legs like, with the springs on them? They were, no. Oh, no, okay. these were like the old school ones. Okay. And he said, you know what? Enough of this. He got down on the ground, took both his legs off, and stayed down there. <laughs> and the other guy's like, whoa, what the? And he had to go low and, and swing low. And eventually, dude came, took him down, and just pummeled him. No kidding. Oh, it was amazing. Wow. Wow. Amazing. Incredible. Yeah, yeah. Humans yeah, are yeah. capable of yeah. so much. Yeah. It's really yeah. unbelievable. He's like, F this. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Cool. Yeah. All right, what else you got? Let's get to Melonhead. Melonhead. All right, yeah. there we go. Yeah. Better than the Bucketheads. <laughs> yeah, remember Buckethead? These sounds are running through my mind. <laughs> Buckethead! The Bucketheads. Yes. All right. Beardy Bruce Lee YouTube channel says Bruce died from overtraining because of the pressure going to his head, which he neglected with painkillers, which could explain the brain aneurysm or something. Is that the that, that's that a the question? question? Which could explain the brain aneurysm uh -huh. or something. Wait, okay. that, so that's the end of it? Yes. Okay, okay. I'm strapped in. All right. <laughs> Okay, so if you're serious about Bruce Lee, it's good. If you're serious about Bruce Lee, and you watch the Beardy Channel, and you take anything on there, and then go, hmm, let me ponder this, it's not worth answering. All right, stop watching the Beardy Channel. He's a dude who literally looks at Bruce Lee photos and makes stuff up. He doesn't know anything about Bruce Lee. It literally doesn't matter what Beardy has to say. The fact that he has got a large audience, the fact that lots of people watch his videos, doesn't mean that anything he says is true. What information does this guy have? This weird Finnish dude who were Scandinavian dude hey, with hey, a hey, fake hey, name hey, or hey. whatever. Yeah, you take it easy, all right? Okay? Yeah, it's more my peoples. Than I am. Hey, it's man. my peoples. Hey, man, all right? I'm half Cuban. Scandos. I'm half Cuban. I have to deal with Fidel Castro <laughs> being Cuban also, okay? Oh, oh, you can oh. deal with Beardy being related to wherever the hell you're from, all right? Take it easy, all right? If Scandals. I have to deal with Castro, you got to deal <laughs> ah, with Beardy, nah. all right? All right, <laughs> next question. 
I don't think he's Scando. I think he's. Next question. I think he's. How much are you going to talk about Beardy on this episode? He might be the funny. dude's a fake dude. Bernard McAllister, right? Yeah, he's Scottish. Isn't that his name? <laughs> Come on. Stop. This guy's a phony. Come on. He's stop. a sweaty sock. Stop. Yeah, he's, exactly. yeah, he's a sweaty sock. He's a sweaty, sweaty sock. sock. Yeah. All right, Jimmy eats good food. Okay. <laughs> Makes sense. Great episode, Sifu. All right. Can you do an episode on Bruce Lee and Ed Parker? I heard Bruce exchanged ideas with Parker and even stole some of Parker's students, such as Dan Inosanto and others. Thanks in advance, Sifu. Yeah, there's a bit of a gray area in my kind of Bruce Lee knowledge, uh, mainly because I have very little interest in Ed Parker Kempo. Um, Damn. No, it's nothing personal, all right? It's nothing, I also have very little interest in Aikido, but that doesn't mean that Damn. people who practice Aikido, like, doesn't mean I hate people who do Aikido or Yo, whatever. It's yeah, just, that furniture is terrible. Yes. So I, <laughs> I have furniture, Ikea. Shout out to Yamada Sensei. That's right. So, <laughs> no, I, I'm, sensei. I'm, I'm, what, what, I'm just saying, up? no, I'm just saying, like, you know, um, the reason why I never explored the Ed Parker stuff too much is personal bias. I've looked at Ed Parker's Kenpo and I have zero interest in it. I have zero interest in it as a karate style. I have zero interest in it, although it's obviously very important to the development of martial arts in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ed Parker Kenpo is one of kind of the pillars of American martial arts systems that, that grew all over the place. And obviously Ed Parker was instrumental in Bruce Lee getting his start by bringing him to demonstrate at his uh, Long Beach tournaments and things like that. And the two of them knew each other. All right. And, uh, but yeah, Bruce, I mean, Tiger Dan, Dan, Dan Inosanto, no, uh, um, Tiger Shulman's, all right, as much as people make fun of him, Tiger Shulman's a legit Kyokushin karate <laughs> practitioner. Okay. And um, I believe it. Yeah. So, I mean, like, you know, he's kind of essentially, well, they've rebranded themselves into mixed martial arts, mm-hmm. but they've also produced some mixed martial art fighters, even though they're kind of the kind of stereotypical McDojo. Uh, but you can't, okay. t- Tiger Shulman himself mm-hmm. is a legit Kyokushin fighter. You can't actually talk shit about him. Uh, he's he's legit. Nice. Um, so, obviously, uh, Dan Inosanto was an Ed Parker black belt. And... He then became Bruce Lee's student. Steve Golden, you know, Big Sean Madigan's uh, yeah. teacher, who who's been here. I think you even met him. He was a he. I think I think he was also a black belt under Ed Parker. So uh, I know that there was a time period where like a number of the Ed Parker black belts had kind of jumped ship and gone to Bruce Lee because he, you have to imagine uh, going from some kind of very. Um, typical style of karate, which is has a lot of one-step sparring and movements and techniques and forms, and now doing something like kind of cool and hip, like Jeet Kune Do, where you're moving around and there's footwork mm-hmm. and there's this Wing Chun stuff in there. You know, uh, you can imagine how Bruce would have been very uh, what Bruce was teaching would have been very attractive to people who are doing that kind of stuff. But I've also just like looked at Ed Parker Kenpo Karate by itself like I've watched demonstrations of it like Larry Tatum and the, all these guys who've learned from Ed Parker and also videos of Ed Parker himself and it just it, it's just you know when you see something and it's just like oh you just feel it hmm. right like 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 for example I'm not a um I'm not a big fan of like uh well I have no interest in learning like wushu like the acrobatic stuff 
But when you watch a good wushu performance, you go, damn, yeah. those guys are good. Those yeah. guys are good. Like you see, sometimes they do those duelians uh, where it's like the two two per, uh, two person wushu forms, and then you have the one person like darting the spear, the other one, and the other person's Ooh. like like ever see those? Okay. You look at that, you go, damn, that's artistry, right? I have no interest in doing that. I have no interest uh, interest in that having anything to do with real combat. You know, but I'm not one of those people who go, yeah, this wouldn't work in real fighting. Yeah, obviously, you wouldn't dodge spears consistently <laughs> with your head and stuff like that. It's a, But I can look at that, and I feel something cool and martial about it. I mean, look at some... You might have no interest in those kind of fancy performance kung fu styles, but look at someone use a nine-section chain whip and tell me that shit ain't badass, mm-hmm. whether you would use that in fighting or not, right? Um I'm not a huge fan of Aikido, for example. But sometimes I'll look at some stuff Seagal does yeah. and it looks kind of badass. Yeah. Like especially like the earlier Seagal stuff out from his, Yeah, like in, like like he was able to make it look kind of hard hitting, right? Oh, and so I have no interest in Aikido as a martial art. But I could see some stuff Seagal does. And not saying that that stuff is, works in a... I'm not saying, oh, that works in a fighter. I want to learn it for fighting purposes. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying like you look at that and you go like, wow, that's cool. Like when you listen to a rap track and and it's like, wow, you yeah. know, maybe you never heard the rapper before and you go like, oh man, yeah. listen to this. You know what I mean? Like y- you can be a hardcore Wing Chun guy or a hardcore Jeet Kune Do guy and see something in Aikido or Wushu or whatever and go like, damn, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. But people, they feel like they can't do that with anything that's outside of their own style, right? But I can also look at some stuff and just not feel that inspiration at all. And uh, there's some styles like uh, when I see Tai Chi push hands, I don't <laughs> right. I don't feel inspired at all. Okay. All right. Or even in my exchanges with Tai Chi people, I just feel like mm, this is this is too abstract. This is this is this is not. I'm jab jab cross takedown. I'm worried about that. I'm not worried mm-hmm. about hypothetical pushes and moving me and this kind of. This is, this is not where my mind is. But I can look at a certain practitioners who do tai chi forms and I go oh man that's so like look at the control they have there so i can even look at a martial art and like like some of it and not like something else right, right. i've looked at ed parker's kenpo like front and back demonstrations and it just no. uh no man it's it's like a plate of liver for me man i got no interest in it i got no interest um and that's not to say anything against people who do i'm just okay. saying i do i'm sure people look at wing chun and they go Ugh, yeah that's fine i'll still sleep at night i don't give a shit <laughs> okay. all, right? all right so um i <laughs> I, I, I so so and so because right. because i don't really have any interest in ed parker's martial art that's probably the reason why I haven't explored too much of like what the dynamic was because the the way my brain works is uh, I'm into Bruce Lee, all right? So I want to find out all this stuff about Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee spoke Cantonese, so I want to find out about Cantonese. Bruce Lee learned Wing Chun, so I want to learn about Wing Chun. Bruce Lee knew these actors growing up, so I want to learn who those actors are. Bruce Lee made these movies with these actors. I want to know who they are. So like the one hardcore interest I have sprouts all the side interests because they swell from that. But this one branch of Ed Parker stuff, I don't really care too much about because I just, I'm just not inspired by Ed Parker's Kenpo Karate. And that is not a diss on anyone who is. All right. Because we all have things we like and we all have things that we don't like. And you don't need to be triggered because someone else doesn't like something that you might like. All right. But so for that reason, I didn't explore it too much. But I know that Ed Parker was a little bit salty 
when he lost a few students to Bruce. So I don't know how that might have changed the the dynamic of their relationship later. But, um, you know, Ed Parker had his own karma to deal with. He um, taught Elvis Presley, which had once made him oh, famous. Yeah. But he also taught Elvis Presley, which I can imagine would have been very frustrating. <laughs> <all right? laughs> so, uh, yeah. I think that footage of the king doing all of that karate and then they're cutting it in with his Vegas performances. Because yeah. it wasn't... I, I, for years, I just thought he was just... He was just screwing around. No, he was a black belt. He's actually a black belt. He, he, got, he got into karate when he was uh, serving in the U.S. Army. I think when he was stationed in Germany, that's when he Did got into Did you ever into. tell your, uh, your, <laughs> your story on the podcast? He, my Elvis story? I think yeah. I did tell my Elvis story yeah. once. I don't know um, if you did. I, I feel think like I did. Haven't. I'm sure I'm, you already told this story. And the first time you told it, you told it differently, right? Uh, I, 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 will re, I will recap very briefly, all right? All right, all right. So, um, okay, I have two kind of Elvis stories, oh, all right? And yes. I probably told them, but either, either if I didn't tell it on the KFG podcast, I might have told it on Dudes on of dudes. Kung Fu. So yeah. I apologize. Our long-term listeners are going like, oh, God, he's recycling stories again, all right? Yeah. We thought he was an endless... Cornucopia of stories, uh, but no, no, no. There, there, there are definitely ends to uh-huh. to, to 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 what I know. Um, uh, first Elvis story. I have this on very. Uh, okay. Uh, okay, I was told this story by someone who was there. So. Take it for what it is. All right. All right. Uh, Ed Parker was giving a seminar in, uh, um, I believe, in Memphis, where Elvis lived. All mm-hmm. right, and I don't think that the seminar was that one that you see online where like Elvis is there and teaching karate and Bill Wallace is there. I think this was actually another, uh, another Bill time. Superfoot? Yeah. Wow. Um, Ed Parker's teaching a seminar at a local Kempo school in Memphis. And this is, um, this is Elvis towards the end. All right. To give some context. <laughs> On the this, is, this is not, this is not fit sharp Elvis. This is a, you know, plus tax Elvis. All right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, when he's singing, I don't know if you ever saw the video, he's singing, are you lonesome <laughs> yes. tonight? And he forgets the lyrics and he's yes. so drunk and high on that's, whatever. That's my favorite. He messes Elvis. up the lyrics and the audience just doesn't care. They just, Elvis could have taken a dump on that stage. The audience would just clap for him. Right. Nice. Forget a word. Damn fool. Right. That video is crazy. Right. So, a limo pulls up in front of the karate school uh, while the seminar is going on, and Elvis comes out in a gi, karate gi full of rhinestones, <laughs> with you know like a, he's wearing a butterfly collar shirt under the gi top. Woo! So the gi top and the bl- butterfly Woo! collar is like it's out of out, it, right? In rhinestones, out, yeah, and bell bottom karate gi pants, and of course Great. it says Presley in uh, Chinese takeout letters in the back, right? <sighs> And uh, he just shows up in the middle of the seminar and just <laughs> high, off, high off of his gourd and starts, um, he just interrupts and starts teaching. But oh, you have wow. to imagine, I mean, look, if I was teaching a Wing Chun seminar, all right, 15 years ago, and Michael Jackson walked in high off his gourd and started teaching. I don't think I, I think I would just stop it. I would just be looking. Uh, <laughs> right? People like, oh, no, I wouldn't let him go in and do it. Nah, man, like. I think if it was the yeah. 70s and you were a martial arts instructor, yeah. I mean, even, of course, obviously, Ed Parker was Elvis's martial arts instructor. Oh, and Elvis God. walks in high off his yeah. gourd and just starts yeah. teaching. Yeah. You would also stop and just look at it like oh. a train wreck, right? So the story yes. was Elvis comes in, he just starts teaching, but he's like rambling. 
So I don't know, you gotta, you gotta put your fist like, oh, let me show you, let me show you. And he demonstrates, boom, and he's cracking dudes. While, <laughs> like, he's got no control because he's just high off his freaking gourd, right? But like, you're a black belt, Elvis wants to demonstrate something, Elvis cracks you one, what are you gonna do? You're gonna, you're gonna bust Elvis's ass. <laughs> Like you're gonna you're gonna take your punch and be like, oh okay, Elvis punched right, me in right. the face, right? He's there for like 10, 15 minutes. <laughs> rambling on, teaching a bunch of nonsense, kicking black belts in the balls and face. Oh, I love it. And then stops and then just bows and leaves and gets in his limo and goes. All right? So Elvis, random. ladies and gentlemen. Elvis, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> so random. And uh another another story I have. Wait, time um, out. Can you just picture Michael Jackson? He told Michael Jackson privately. Michael Jackson comes in during one of yeah, the like seminars. Yeah, let's say 2007 yeah, or something like yeah. that, right? And he yeah. comes in and just starts teaching everyone in the I'd class. I'd be in tears, man, if and, I saw Michael Jackson. But doing all of it. Ba, ba, yeah. Ba, 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 yeah. Just busting everyone's ass. Can you imagine how good uh, Michael yeah. Jackson would have been at Wing Chun? Yeah. He'd be more impressed yeah. if it was Prince. Whatever. Nah. I, I, Whatever. Take it. Hey, would, hey, hey, hey. We're not going to get into the whole Prince Michael Jackson be thing, all right? Believe, <laughs> Michael Jackson would be... So much better at Wing yeah, Chun than yeah, Prince. Yeah, yeah. In I, my think, I think Prince would have a hard time getting his heels flat on the floor because he always wore those high heels. <laughs> so, so anyway, <laughs> he probably has bad Achilles tendon flexibility. Michael right? had the perfect shoes. Yeah, he always had those flat yeah, shoes that slide. Yeah, right, the loafers. Yeah. So my my second Elvis story. Uh, a student of mine who was an actor out in L.A. for many years, and he also grew up in Tennessee, and he used to live next door, I think, to Red who was like the head of the Memphis Mafia, which was like Bruce Lee, Bruce Lee, which was like Elvis's uh, entourage. He's like security guys. I think they called them the Memphis Mafia. And I believe this oh, guy, wow. Red, was the head of it, but I could be wrong. The head. Yeah. And anyway, so my student- Red was the head. My student was like, an, like one of Red's neighbors growing up in mm-hmm. the 80s. And- uh, he was very young, and he brought him over. Uh, you know, my, he brought my, my, at that time a very young. My, I'm not gonna say my student's name, but brought him over, <laughs> and said, "Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna show you something uh, you might find interesting." And he brings him into the backyard, and and, uh, and I'm pretty sure I told this story. Uh-huh. And there's a there's a Cadillac back there, like okay, a, like a '70s model Cadillac. And Elvis was famous for this. Like, if he liked you, he bought you a Cadillac. That was something they did. Well, I like you. I like you. I'm going to get you a Cadillac. We'll color your leg. And then the next day, you had a Cadillac, right? Wow. And so, apparently, Elvis, you know, was, was to be expected, gifted Red a Cadillac at some point, yeah. right? And the Cadillac was in the backyard. It wasn't, like, functional, right? And uh, Red brought, you know, the my student over and said, oh, take a look at it. And he goes, Elvis gave me this Cadillac. And uh, and then he said, "Take a look inside." And he looked inside, and and on in the dash there was mm. a huge blast, like a fire, like like a big hole in the dash. And then my student was like, well, "What happened there?" He says, "Well, the day after Elvis gave it to me, he showed up high as hell with a shotgun, and apparently I don't know Priscilla had pissed him off or something like that. <laughs> and then he took a shotgun, went and blew a hole in the dash of the Cadillac and left." <laughs> <laughs> so, Wait, did he get in the car and do it? Because I don't want to. I don't see he how he opened the door it. and shot the the the, the, the dashboard so or something like that, right? Yeah. So, passenger seat so he has or wow. had kept this cat. I'm sure he had other Cadillacs that Elvis yeah. had given him, but he had one Cadillac which had a shotgun blast <laughs> in the dash, done by Elvis himself. Anyway, uh, but I am not the Elvis genius, all right. Yeah. Although I, you know, that. I have I have talked about having a very 
very tenuous connection to Elvis before on the podcast. Oh, I, that's the one yeah. I remember. Okay, yeah, okay. My, my, my godmother, my yes. late godmother, Joanne, yes. who I dedicated my Chum Q book to. You can see that the photo of right. her. She was a kind of a kind of a high roller in Hollywood, and yeah. and she uh, was friends with Priscilla Presley, and and <laughs> and she married yeah this scumbag named Marco Man. Garibaldi. Uh, feel free to look him up; he's a fucking scumbag. No relation and, to uh, my Baldi. No, and uh, I don't even think that was his real name. He, no, he was like a he was a he was a Brazilian guy who uh, came to the U.S. and he wanted to pretend to be like an Italian director, so he changed his name. And uh, and then he was kind of he was kind of he was kind of sponging off of my godmother because she had money and she had a lot of connections in Hollywood, mm. and he was like using her for the connections. And she had apparently introduced him to Priscilla Presley, and then he ends up running off with Priscilla Presley, and the two of them Scum. were together until I don't know maybe ten years ago or something like that. And they had a couple kids together, but they never married. And so basically. You know, my godmother what? introduced her husband to Priscilla Presley, and then they, they they ran off with her, and they were together. And like, so that is my weird, tenuous connection to him. And, and damn, yeah, when I was when I was a kid, my godmother was in the uh, National Enquirer. They they had like the the paparazzi had hid behind a bush, and she was taking out the garbage in, at her Beverly Hills condo. Yeah, and they snapped a photo of my godmother like in her bathrobe taking out the garbage, and they're like, "This is the woman that was dumped for Priscilla Presley." And I saw that on the news stand when i was a kid Ouch. and i was like i was like oh, that looks like my godmother joanne and my yeah. mom saw that and she was like oh she my mom was really pissed off and and because she hated marco and i i, I think i had even met marco when i was very young my mom always hated him she was a scumbag marco garibaldi is a scumbag <laughs> all right so anyway <laughs> man love this platform yes Mm-hmm. All right. Feel free to come on my podcast, though, Marco. Yeah. <laughs> we chime in. Yeah. In chime chat. in. Chime in. In the chat. See what happens. Mm-hmm. No, no. You can come here and be on the Kung Fu Genius oh. podcast. I'd love to talk to you. Oh. I'll give you a free lesson, too. Oh. All right. God let's go. Damn. All right. No, I, well, love my, I love my godmother. She was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. And he I wish her. I would have. I'd love to beat the fuck out of that had guy. the chance to meet her. Yeah. She, yeah. Seems she was amazing. Like, she was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's move right along. Christopher Morin. All right, I'm in tears again from the butt nay <laughs> and all that hypothetical nonsense. Another great podcast. So I guess this is like uh, this is a little while ago, time right? ago, yeah, right? Yeah. I have a question for a future AMA. All right. Not this one, but a future uh, one. A future yeah. one. Uh-huh. I'd like to hear the story of when you met that effing guy, Dre, mm-hmm. and that British guy, Mikey. Mm. What? Maybe have them explain a little of how they came to you. Love those two and get a microphone on that disembodied voice. Thanks. All the best to you and the boys. Chris uh. Morin. Rensselaer, New York. All right. Wow. Have they heard his accent? Why the hell would we Why give him a microphone? You, wow. you don't want to. You don't want to amplify that nonsense. So bring some class to the proceedings. <laughs> no, I mean, um, like, look, I, I run a martial arts school. This yeah. is City of Wing Chun. So the way I know you guys is because you joined my you school. Joined the school, yeah. And you stuck around, <laughs> and then I paid attention to you guys, right. and I go, these guys Somehow. are gonna help me make a million dollars for the podcast. <laughs> This is the award-winning team right here, all right? 
that's pretty yeah, much it. You guys, it. yeah, simple. I mean, like you, you guys are students at City. How Wing Chun. did Mikey join the school, though? I'm, I'm curious. I, I know my story. I, I I'm glad you know my your story, story a few times. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'd be shocked. <laughs> I'm actually shocked you do know your know story. I'm quite honest. Your story. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Uh, I don't know. Can you get on the mic and tell us your story? How get you how you found the school? Oh, you always get on the mic. Get, always the get mic. the mic. He has a mic. I do have a mic. Ooh. <laughs> so how did you how did you join the school, yeah, Mikey? Mikey. Well, actually, you know, I'd been kind of like eyeing it up for a few months, mm. and um, I uh, I I called or I sent an email, and then whoever was taking care of your business would call me sporadically, and I say sporadically all the time, like, "So you're going to come for an intro lesson?" And I'm uh-huh. like, "Man," and it took me a few months, and then. I had a really bad breakup. It was probably me calling him. <laughs> could have been. It could yeah. have been you. I'm pretty, I'm pretty, I, I had a really bad breakup. And uh-huh. I was like, you know when you go through a bad breakup and you're just like, I'm going to do all of those things that I've been saying that I was about right. to do. Mm. Right. So, and I'd been doing Muay Thai for like three years. Uh-huh. And I just kind of got to a level where I was like, I can't. My score was cool, but they kept changing um, uh, instructors. So the problem was, is every time we got a new instructor, there was someone that was training for a fight. Oh. they would like kind of, you know, stick me back down with the beginners, which uh-huh. is fine. But it was like I was in that gray area where I was never going to compete, but I was also not actually had control of my feet. Right. So And I kept getting injured because these kids just basically didn't know, have any control. And they were just right. like, oh, oh, go away. Right. So I need to. And I also like my martial arts a bit more cerebral. So right. I wanted to come here and I was like, OK, cool. So um, Ethan from Brooklyn. Um, gave me my intro. Ah, oh, all right. It was cool. And yeah. you were actually here, and he was like, This is my Sifu, it's your Seagong. And I think we exchanged four words. Uh-huh. And then we barely spoke for, I guess, the first year. Right, because you would have been training under my my guy, so yeah, you wouldn't yeah, have been yeah. in my class. Yeah, yeah so Jan and um, Arnell actually trained me in right. prep, and then I moved up, and then. When it became clear that you know I was here for the long haul, you're like, right. oh, this guy, this he's guy, right. yeah, he's I got can an even... English accent. Yeah, he's got it. Yeah, despite the fact that he has an English <laughs> accent. So that was kind of how, and I've been here ever since, and and I would arguably never leave, right? Except you know, I'm, no, I'm kidding. I'm not leaving. <laughs> Good. <laughs> yeah, this is it. I think of of all the technicians, so you are a first level technician. I think of all the technicians I have, I think we only had. A very small handful with that wacky accent, or a wa- an accent in that family. All right. Uh, okay. Yeah. I think it's you and and it was one other guy from New Zealand. <laughs> oh, Who's New that? Nigel. Nigel. You remember Nigel? Barely. Yeah. Back in the day. Yeah. What? Yeah. He moved to San Francisco. Damn it. No, I know these guys. Nigel. I spent all these years training them up, and they're like, "Ah, oh, I'm gonna move now." Right. Yeah. But he, 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 but he has like a good job, so he's not he's not a Wing Chun instructor. Or didn't want to open a Wing Chun school, but every time I have an instructor that moves from New York, they always move to some god awful place. All right, all right. It's like okay, I learned Wing Chun from the Kung Fu Genius in yeah. New York City. I'm a qualified instructor. I'm going to move to. Columbus, Ohio. Yay. Nah, shout out. <laughs> shout out Western Lotus Athletics and Andrew Lynn, Jose in the house. All right. Yes, we yes. love our Ohio branch. All Great right? shout out. Yeah. Great shout out. Oh, thank you ah. so much for teaching me, Sifu. I'm going to move to Charlotte, you North know, Carolina. Not, shout out to our Charlotte, yeah. North Carolina branch. That's interesting. I, there was a guy who was, uh, he was testing with me for when I got my black shirt. Uh-huh. And he moved shortly after he got his black shirt to UK to teach. Right. I remember, I forget his name, but it, it, yeah, he tested he, the same day. 
No, I think that was maybe for a technician, for first level technician. I don't that know. That was an ITC, I think. No, I remember. Yeah? His, I had a gray shirt oh, the okay. day before. Got it, got it, got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I re- yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, no, but he he um, he ended up, uh, because I don't have any branches in Europe. That's yeah. the main thing. Cause I don't, I don't want to like compete with the EWTO because mm-hmm. they were very instrumental in me coming up. So I, I mean, I had some people from Europe come here and learn from me, but you know that they can anyone can come and learn from me, whatever. And what they do with that knowledge is up to them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't have any desire to like have um, a bunch of branches in Europe or anything like that, oh. um, because the U.S. hasn't had any development. When you, Europe, Wing Chun is very well established in Europe, right? Obviously, True if instructors that. in Europe want to come and learn from me, that's fine. But uh, I. It, it, it's not my desire to go to Europe and teach like a bunch of seminars and things like that. And mm-hmm. like, I have like a 10 city European tour because I'm in New York. You want to come and learn from me, come to New York, like oh, literally come man. here and learn from me. I'm here or come to my home in Orlando and you can come and train with me and stay with me. And all we do is talk about Wing Chun. So like, uh, it doesn't make sense for me to chase teaching bong sell for cash when people could just come to me and learn from me. So come yeah. to me. All right. So looks like we have time for what? one more. That's it? That's it. We only got through like four questions maybe? Yeah, it's because I gave thorough answers because there were good questions wow. today, right? true, true yeah. that, true yeah. that. There are a few tangential moments though. A few. All right, let me scroll down. Yeah, why don't you scroll down? Oh, I'll scroll down to the blank spot. Yes. Yeah, what do you mean the, to the blank spot? The blank spot. Next question we got. Don't no, say wait. it. Don't say it. How? Who's how? <laughs> no, no, I'm saying like, how is Dreisen the next question? Oh, how indeed? How? Yeah, dude. The world I literally may never scroll know. down. Yeah, and he's right there. How many licks does it take to get the center of a tootsie pop? And why does Dreisen always pop up in the questions? These are imponderables. I don't get that. All right, let's I don't go. Get how he does it? Uh huh. All right. All right. So Dreisen is asking a hypothetical. Shocker. 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 <laughs> shocker. In the last few episodes when he wasn't here, we had to provide the shocker. Shocker. Sweaty shocker. Shocker. Um, he says, okay, yo, shout out to y'all. I'm healed. Finally, my cheek feels great. From you slapping the shit out of me. I- I'm yeah. trying to forget about that. Yeah, you're trying he, to forget about it. I didn't it. want him to bring it I up. I should just teach him high tantal so punch. Him. <laughs> well, let's see if he just are are we in a, a period of deep healing here? Deep healing I'm here. I'm saying. Oh, oh. That's what he Is wrote. Is that a Jada deep reference right Ooh, there, right? That's, yeah. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, I, I just wanted to ask this question. I thought it, it was something that's been uh, running through my brain lately. But <laughs> anything runs through Dreisen's brain. Well, it runs through it. <laughs> he it says, through it. He says, you, you, you're... You're, you you leave City Wing Chun and you you like oh dip I'm running late I gotta get out of here peace out guys see you tomorrow you start jetting down the stairs and you jet to the train and you get down you you notice that the train is coming in so you you put the you put the high gears on you get downstairs. Get in the train, boom, boom, at the doors, boom, boom. We all know that feeling. Yeah, we all know that feeling. Boom, boom, boom. Right. You dip in, boom. Right. And you're like, <sighs> you sit down, because there's seats somehow. Yeah. You sit down. If they're all the seats, it's because yeah. there's, there's a homeless guy in there who smells really bad. <laughs> no, no. And you got on the wrong car. Not one of those, not yeah. one of those. But you sit down, you're like, <sighs> 
you know, you're out of breath because uh-huh. you, you, you're running. I Boom. do cardio. I'm not yeah, out of breath. Kind of, Dryson clearly of, doesn't know me. He, he knows you. Never out of breath. Somehow he knows. Whatever. You sit down, you get on your phone, you're like, wow. All right, you start dipping through your phone. Yeah, and, no cell reception in the New York yeah, subways. Well, yeah, you go, you go in in this tunnel, and uh, you you get to the next stop, which is usually 49th Street. Mm-hmm. Stop telling people which direction I go in. But yeah, the next seriously, the next stop is not 49th Street. It's 1998 Germany. 1998 Germany. 1998, 99ish. Okay. That's strange. Doesn't doesn't quite know the year I went to Germany. <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah, why no, you were, yeah. Nineteen ninety-seven. I don't know, but uh, he's just he's just hyper hyperbole. Yeah, hyperbole. It's not even the right word. <laughs> he wrote that. He wrote that. He said that. Oh God. shit! I'm Rising really not sure what year you salad. went to Germany. Yeah, nineteen ninety-nine. He just wrote like that. Nineteen ninety-nine. One of those weird time travel war movies. That's where this hypothetical right. come from. You know. Okay. You, All right, you you're in shock, total shock. But you get out the train because you're like, "What is happening?" You get out, you know. I'm in Germany where you in are. 1999. You know where you are. You know uh-huh. exactly where you are, uh-huh. and you're like at the what? at the Heidelberg Hauptbahnhof. Yeah, stop. Yeah. And you go straight to the castle. Yeah, I would have to get a car from there. Yeah. but yeah. But uh-huh. you you're like, what? <laughs> what is happening? Uh-huh. And you go straight to the castle. Well, I'm gonna like, go to the castle. If I showed up right now, I went on the subway and then ended up in 1999 Heidelberg, Germany. No. The existential terror of having gone back in time. (laughs) I wouldn't, the first thing I I, I wouldn't be that I'm going to go and uh, uh, go to the castle. I would like try to call my moms. (laughs) Well, you try that. All right, whatever. You tried all that. Okay, let's go. Let's go. And uh, you get to the castle and class is in session. Mm. And you see uh, pretty much everyone you knew. You're mm-hmm. like, yo, what's up? Whoa. But everyone's like, hey, man, what's up? You know, normal. Yeah, but I look different. I have but a beard just, and I'm like, like 20 just, years older. Yeah, you're just different. Like, right. You're, it was like, yeah. hey, yeah. You and look like a Kung Fu genius. And then, <laughs> and then of course, uh, Sifu Schwarzenegger walks in. What? what? Sifu Schwarzenegger, bro. Okay, okay, all right. And he starts teaching a class. Oh. And he calls you over. He's like, Alex, come demonstrate. <laughs> Is that him speaking Cantonese? Yeah. No, I don't know. See you at the cheese out party. See you at the cheese out party. He starts demonstrating, busting your ass. And. And he's like, what the, f- what's happening? It's straight Arnold Schwarzenegger teaching. Uh-huh. In the windshield technician yes, jacket, like practice with, with the, all of showing it. his chesticles. All of it. All right. <laughs> all of it. You, and you're just having like the craziest, like, you know who it is. Yes. But it's just a. Alternate parallel universe. Straight crazy. What do right. you do? Hmm? Do you stay and keep learning from Sifu Schwarzenegger? I would say, hey, man, I got an idea. <laughs> I can be your agent. Let's go to Hollywood. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. I got a a perfect idea for a script. It's called Commando. All right? But by 1999, Commando's already been made. No, but in this universe, he became a Wing Chun Sifu. Yeah, he doesn't know anything about I also have this idea called The Terminator. Yeah. I would basically become his agent 
Anna would write all of his best movies no. and, and, and avoid shit like Last Ooh. Action Hero and stuff that no one wants and to see. And the action yeah, scenes will be totally no, different. See, that doesn't work because all of these movies were already made with different actors. Not right? necessarily. The Not Terminator necessarily. The going to be O.J. Simpson. Whoa. I am not joking. O.J. Simpson was up O.J. Simpson did okay, the Terminator? For sure, there were would be some films that were written just for him mm. that were not made because Arnold Schwarzenegger wasn't an actor. Mm. And I would look, if IMDb was around in 99, I don't know, probably very Conan rudimentary. Yeah, Conan the Librarian. Don't you know the Dewey Decimal System? <laughs> and uh, and I would pitch and write Conan all these the movies. Yeah, and I would make all this money, all right? But and that's all I got to say about that. All right, everyone. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Kung Fu Genius. As always, don't forget to like this video, subscribe to the Kung Fu Genius, hit that bell for notifications, write any questions you have in the comments below, and this guy, Dre, will pick them out for a future episode. And as always, I'll see you guys next time. Word is I'm a Kung Fu Genius. Technique speaks for me, not lineage. Forget Jet Li, cause I'm the one. Many call me seafood, but to you I'm Sea Kung, and I produce masters. You surpassed us, your Kung Fu stiffer than corpse and caskets. City Wing Chung is the house I built. Violate the gate and your blood gets spilt. Alex Richter, always the victor. <laughs> what? You, what? You have to pull his sleeves up. He has up to pull his sleeves up, as if he's doing anything serious. I know, right? Clown. Yeah. Clown show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, a magic show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, peoples. Yeah, brother. 24-inch pythons, brother. All right, peeps. Uh! Oh, yo, Dre. I got, I got teach at Ted. Quit fucking around, Dre. All right, peoples. On today's episode of the Kung Fu Genius, the genius will be answering all sorts of hot nonsense from YouTube. Lots of gems. Lots of um, uh, forgot what. The episode was Sifu about. Schwarzenegger. Sifu Schwarzenegger and lots of Elvis blowing Elvis holes in your blowing dash. holes in your dash. Let's get to it. <laughs> when the timing of that is wrong, it just messes everything. <laughs> lots of Sifu Schwarzenegger. Lots of Haka. Haka. Dre. All right, peeps. On today's episode of the Kung Fu Jump, <laughs> Serenity now. Serenity now! <laughs> ah! <you>. Arnold! <laughs> Richter! See you at the party, Richter! Alright, peeps, on today's episode of the Kung Fu Genius, the genius will be answering all. <laughs> Son of a bitch! Funny ass. Son of a bitch! Funny right. I have an intro and I need my clothes. So Alright, uh. <laughs> <laughs> right, peep! Hey! <laughs> Why are you interrupt? Quiet on the set. Quiet on the set. Not, uh, they're not up to like the general standard of hey. like, uh, yeah, what happened there? Hey, dude. Yeah, That's so, why we need a Mikey Dean here. Yeah, so um, stop right for a second because something happened with your mic. Your mic is very strange. Who's Jack? Jack Tripper. Chrissy Snow. Yo, that's a deep cut reference. We were talking Three Stooges the other day. Oh. <laughs> Three's Company. Whew. You know, Horian Gracie had a um, cameo. Well, not a cameo. He had a role on one of the Three's Company episodes. Because Horian Gracie, he came from Brazil to L.A. Was he? Was no, he? No, 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 he came from. No, he was just like one episode. In like, the Beagle? Know, I, I, no, I don't even think he Regal was Regal Beagle? 
he he came to, he came to LA from Brazil to start spreading uh, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, yeah. or at that time they called it Gracie Jiu Jitsu in the U.S. So he moves to L.A. He's like teaching out of his garage. But he was at that time was a very good looking Brazilian dude. Yes. And so he got like a walk on part on Three's Company where it was like Chrissy is going to like go out on a date with some like hot Brazilian dude. And then she opens the door there in the apartment. And it's like it's like a it's like a 20 something Hori and Gracie. And then and then she just goes out and leaves with him. And that's it. He has no lines. He has no lines. Oh, right? What? Yeah. <laughs> this is so crazy. Yeah, I gotta yeah, see yeah. this. Yeah. Okay. Meanwhile, that dude's like a total ass kicker. Right? Yeah. Yeah, we should, we should, we could we good? Yeah, okay. We, could. we just right. need to edit that in. That's a okay. good yeah, tip. Well, that so can go for the uh, the, the bloopers. Bloopers. Okay, so it's right in front of you. Oh, God, here we go. Like, Let's do it. Andrew's going to have to edit some of this. <laughs> <laughs> edit. The, Andrew's going to have to edit yeah. some of the air out of this episode. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Come on, Cohagan. You have what you want. Now give these people air. Give these people air. Ah. We have the opportunity to... Cohagen, good. Get to the chopper now. Ah. <laughs> chopper. Okay, See you at the is. party, Richter. See you at the party, Richter. <laughs> there is the yeah. disembodied yeah. voice. Andrew, when you edit this, you should just put a f like the worst photo you have of Mikey Dean. <laughs> so while he's talking, it's just like this really shitty yeah, photo of great. him. So basically, James Corden. <laughs> James Corden. <laughs> Oh, 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 oh,